You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. suffering when it seems that no one cares the years may come and go without an answer to my prayers oh but may i never question your unfailing love for me and like the saints who've gone before me may my faith be one more story of a life that's lived for your glory so that others will believe you were there for moses you were there for joseph you were there for david when he didn't have a prayer you were there for stephen so i believe in time Through it all, you were there for me. Like Paul and Silas, John and Peter, Daniel, Abraham, I will trust in you and hold on to that same unseen hand. I'm trusting to. Joseph, you were there for David when he didn't have a prayer. You were there for Stephen, so I believe in time I'll see that through it all you were there for me. 
be there for you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to be preaching out of the book of 1 Peter today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I've got a super exciting verse of Scripture for you today. One verse of Scripture. And in this one verse, there's enough power. There's enough dynamite. I'm telling you to change and transform the world. And, and in fact, the truths of this verse in many ways have transformed the world over time. But I want to say this also. There's enough power in this verse to change your life as well and the life of those that you love. And right in this one verse, we find the truth of the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, listen, the power of Almighty God, the dunamis, the power. This gospel, folks, is the message that we as Christians carry. This is the message that we proclaim. It's the, we, we, we preach the gospel, we proclaim the gospel, and we practice the gospel. The gospel is to be lived out through the child of God. And in this one verse today, let's read it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and here's what it says. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Every once in a while I come across a verse like this to where you can just begin to break it down by, by individual words and phrases and get a message as we go through. And that's what we're going to do today, as simply as I know how, to give you this verse. And the title of the message is, The Cause of the Cross. The, histo the historical nature of the cross, there's really no question or debate on whether or not Jesus Christ died on the cross. Uh, and really, there's not much debate on whether He rose again, both scripturally but also historically. But I want to tell you today that in addition to this fact of Scripture is pe many people don't stop and ask the question, why? Uh, there's maybe some assumptions made, but what is the cause of the cross? In other words, why did Jesus go to the cross? And we're going to see that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to begin to go through this verse and again, looking at individual words and phrases walking through it that tell us a lot about the gospel. And by the way, what does gospel mean? The good news. The good news. Folks, we have good news today, don't we? And by the way, by the grace of God, I want to be a good news church. And we, we ought to have a good news ministry. And our lives ought to be good news. Which means that we need to be sharing the word of God instead of just regurgitating the garbage out in this world. All right? So in other words, we ought to be more known as God's people for spreading the good news of the gospel rather than the bad news of the left. Even if it's coming from the right, are you with me? Y'all died on that, acting like I was preaching heresy. Listen, that's what we have. Our number one responsibility is the good news. Amen. Amen. And then we can enter into uh, other topics and conversations if we like. But number one, we need to be sharing the good news. We ought to be good news people. Here's how we do that. What is the good news? What is the gospel? Number one, it begins, notice in verse 18 again, for Christ. Folks, it starts with a person, doesn't it? 
Oh, my friend, it starts with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, Christ, Christ. Folks, Jesus is the message of the gospel. Jesus is the message that we proclaim. He is the way, He's the truth, He is the life. Jesus, by the way, is the initiator. It's important, it's important to where He comes in the gospel. It's important to where He comes in this verse. Where does He come in the gospel? At the beginning. You know why? Because He's the initiator. He's the one who comes to us. He's the one who loves you as an individual. Away, folks, away with the religion that gives men a list of tasks, a ladder to climb, a stairway to try to ascend, a chasm to somehow cross through these religious ceremonies and rules and rituals. Away with all of that. Folks, Christ came to put away all that. Because it's Him. It's the Savior. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who came to bridge the gap. He's the one who came to us. He descends those heavenly stairs to the deepest, darkest pit to, on a rescue mission for souls. I don't care how low you've sunk today or those that you love or care about may have sunk. I'm telling you what, Jesus goes all the way down there. Oh, I'm, I'm, glad that I, I'm glad that we have Jesus to preach today because we're not preaching about, you know, well, if you do this and if you do that and if you're good enough and, 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 if, and if you look right and smell white right and, and all these other things. But I'm glad that's not what we're preaching. We're preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior who will come to where you are. He'll come to the gutter, folks. He'll come to the alley. And yes, he will come to the halls of religion to snatch out some souls from there too uh, and, and get them to trade in their self-righteousness for Christ's righteousness. What I'm just simply trying to say today is, folks, it begins with the Savior. But notice this. It says, for Christ, but it continues on. It says, for Christ hath once suffered for sins. Now, for, for a moment there, I want to look at the word suffered. He suffered. We see the Savior. We see His suffering. Oh, you know, we're in that time of year to where we're reminded of the suffering that Christ went through. Now, again, as, as a Bible preaching church, we don't just reserve this for one time a year. But we are reminded of the suffering of Christ. Oh, we're reminded of the mocking that, that took place during the mock trials that He was a part of. We're reminded of the punches that Jesus took when the Bible says He was buffeted. We're reminded of, of the reed, I mean the, the, the rod which with he was smitten in the head. We're reminded of, 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 the, of the whip when he was beaten with the cat of nine tails and scourged by those cruel Roman soldiers. I mean literally his flesh hanging in ribbons by time that before he ever even went to the cross. Oh, that crown of thorns that was, that was put together and placed on his head. And as they placed it there and they put a robe around him to mock him as the king and they put that crown and, and then they took that reed and they hit him on top of the head with it, driving those thorns down into his brow and, and feeling the, the pain of that rod. Oh, the suffering of Christ. But I say, and I dare say to you today, that the physical suffering he endured uh, does not even compare during that six hours when he was hand, uh, hanging on that cross. There was a moment in time where one of the sayings that he cried out was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And if you remember, it was, it was noonday. It was just like it is right now. And in an instant, it goes black. The sun refuses to shine. What's going on in that instance? Oh, my friend, that's something that none of us, no man has ever had to endure on this earth. And that's when Jesus took your sins and mine upon himself. And quite literally, Jesus was enduring your hell on that cross. And my hell on that cross. The eternities were compressed upon Jesus. In other words, all the sins that have ever been sinned or ever would be sinned, all were compressed on Jesus in that moment. And Jesus, being infinite, bore a finite period of time what we, being finite, would have to bear for an infinite period of time. I'll say that again. Jesus was infinite. For a finite period of time, a short period of time, he bore what we would have to bear for infinity, for eternity, if we don't accept him as our Savior. But he took all of that upon him. So the gospel, we see the Savior, we see his suffering. But not only that, what is the cause? And that's what I promised today, the cause of the cross. Why did it happen? Look again there in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered, and I'm going to come back to that word once in just a moment. Christ hath once suffered for sins. There you go. Why did he do it? Why did he endure that pain? Why did he endure that suffering? Why did he come to this earth in the first place? For sins. For sins. You remember, the Bible says, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will do what? Save his people from their sins. He came for sin. Folks, what, what is sin? I want you to understand something about sin today. Sin is an affront against Almighty God. Sin is a, a, against a holy God. See, not only is sin at the root. I want to tell you something. I don't know what problems you got today, but I want you to know that the root of your problems come from sin. And I'll go a step further than that. At the root, you don't hear the word sin very often. They're not going to be talking about uh, sin. On, I don't care how conservative the news outlets you are. Well, maybe there could be an exception. But for the most part, they're not going to be on there saying, hey, the problem is sin. But the problem is sin. You say the pro war? Yes, sin. The pride, the arrogancy, the deceitfulness, the greed. I, I mean, you, you, you look all around you, the problem at the heart, at the root. And there was a great theologian uh, named Barney Fife who once said we need to nip it in the bud. And, and if you ever, if you ever want to uh, see things improve, folks, it's got to be nipped in the bud. Sin is the problem. See, the world relies on education, manipulation, and legislation but the change must come from within and I'll just throw this out there it's interesting when you study the founding of this country they knew that there was only one way that this experiment would work that this republic would stand it can only stand we can only trust people to govern themselves and to live lives of liberty, we can only instill this we the people government on the basis of the fact that there's enough people in this country who are God-fearing people. 
who are willing to live out, out from under the freedom of sin, therefore they can live out righteousness. Our founding father said that uh, in so many words. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. You want to know what's wrong with this country? I'm sure we could open up the floor, couldn't we? What's wrong with America today? Oh, I know. But the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, you can just look right over there. We're in that area. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? What shall it be? Judgment must begin at the house of God. This is just a quick little rabbit trail I'm on, but I'm going to get back, all right? Alexis de Tocqueville, the French philosopher, uh, you know, he, he, he made many great statements, but uh, among the statements he made was, was, was when he wrote about looking for the greatness of America. You know, and he said, I, I looked for the greatness of America in, her, in, in the halls of her, her Congress, and, and I looked in the industry, and I looked in the fields, and, 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 I, and, and, and the great uh, the bays, and, the, and the, uh, all of the uh, different commerce, and the ways that we've been blessed in America, the vast land. But Alexis de Tocqueville said, but it wasn't until I went to the churches in America that I found the greatness of America. He said, when I walked in the churches, and he said this, that the pulpits were aflame with righteousness. Aflame with righteousness. Preaching the gospel, standing against sin. That's the greatness of America. So I say that the problem with the world today is sin. But let me narrow that back down to thinking more about sin in, in the general sense again. Why did he come? Why did he die? What's the cause of the cross? It's sin. But we like talking a lot of times about other people's sin, but we need to think about our own sin today, don't we? Where we stand before God. See, sin violates God's holy standard. Missing the mark of perfection. It violates God's holy standard. God says there's a way, this is right, this is wrong. Now the problem with us is, the Bible says we were all born sinners, therefore we all, we were all born into sin. Did you know that we're not condemned for being born into sin? That's why a child that dies before having the opportunity to trust Christ doesn't go to hell. You don't die, you don't die for other people's sin, you die for your own sin. And when that child understands and begins to become a sinner by choice, which we all do at some point, we're sinners by birth, we become sinners by choice. And then that's when there's the accountability that we are held to. Therefore, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. So sin violates God's holy standard. Sin separates. Sin separates. It brings death. It brings judgment. The wages of sin is death. See, when I talked earlier today about that separation from God, it's because of sin. It's because of sin. And again, there is none righteous, no, not one, which means that we all fall under this category of sin. Sin is what, this is, this is the cool thing. The good news, you say, I thought you said this was good news, church. There is good news. But a lot of times you can't appreciate the good news until you hear the bad news first, right? The good news is this. The bad news is sin separates. Therefore, we've all, that's what it means to be spiritually dead. That's why we're not, that's why we don't, that's why you're not born a Christian. That's why baptism doesn't do nothing but get you wet. And for some of you, what you call baptism barely does that for whatever it's worth. Uh, but it doesn't matter because baptism doesn't do anything about the heart. 
It doesn't change who you are. It, there's a spiritual baptism that does, but the physical baptism is just an illustration of what God's done on the inside of your heart. But the good news that I'm getting around to is this. Sin separates you from God. The Bible says that we were dead in our sins in Ephesians 2. That's what it means, separated from God. So just get this picture with me. Here am I over here on this side. Here's God, and in between me and God is sin. And, and he says, there's only one way that I can get to Jesse, and that is I've got to deal with that sin. I've got to take on that sin. I've got to defeat that sin. So between God and me is sin, and between sin and him is the cross. Amen? So he goes to the cross to pay the price so that he might get to me, so that we can be forgiven. What is the remedy for sin? We've got to be forgiven. We've got to be, be willing to confess. And I'm not talking about just confessing isn't just admitting. Not biblical confession. Biblical confession is, it, it, it's a word that literally means to agree with, to say the same thing as. So true biblical confession isn't just, yes, Lord, I've sinned, I acknowledge that. It is confessing and forsaking your sin. So we've got to be forgiven of our sin. Now, let's talk just a moment about forgiveness. Let's get a little understanding about forgiveness. Come, come with me into a scenario here real quickly to where somebody comes up and punches you in the nose today. And some of you are saying, I'd like to see you try. But just, to, just assume somebody comes and punches you in the nose today. I mean, and here you are. Man, and, and they, just say they hit you so hard, they broke your nose. And you're bleeding and you're hurt and you're, you're trying to gather yourself or, or, or not react maybe. But, but whatever it is, and you, and instead of reacting, instead of fighting back, you say, you know what, you know what, that, that's fine. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. But can you just imagine the comfort, uh, Christian? Can you imagine the comfort? Can you imagine the comfort when, when, when you tell that person you're going to forgive them? And they say, oh, no, no, it's fine. I've already forgiven myself. I've forgiven myself. No need to forgive me. Oh, okay. You've forgiven yourself for punching me in the nose. That, that's modern day religion and psychology. I've forgiven myself. Well, thanks a lot. Well, well let's go into that. Let's, let's bring another person into this scenario. Now, not only, not only do you have this person that just hits you in the nose saying, oh, no, I don't need your forgiveness. I forgive myself. You've got another person standing by, some religious person, priest, pastor, whatever it may be, and they say, oh, no, no need. I forgive both of you. I'm the one with the broken nose here. Forgiving yourself, whoop-de-doo. See, the, the offended is the one who needs to forgive. So he come to deal with our sin. And understand this about your sin. Oh, it's fine, Pastor, I've moved on. How about this scenario? That person punches you and breaks, you in the nose, or breaks your nose, and th then after that they say this. And maybe you come back to them later and you say, hey, we need to talk about this whole nose-punching business. This ain't cool. Speaking of cool, I wonder since I used the word off the hook about the Easter cantata, how many young people have never used that phrase again, amen? Uh, like Mr. Crab, you using coral or something, you know, it just ruins it. But 
but, but you say, that's not cool. We've got to deal with this situation. I, so what's the deal? Did you punch me in the nose? You're gonna, I, you need to, I've got doctor bills because of this. I missed work because of this. And, dude, you need to make this right. You need to make this right. And that person says, oh, no, 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 I don't, I'm good. I don't need to make it right. Because you know what, Jack? I don't plan on ever hitting anybody else in the nose again. Well, that's wonderful, but what's the problem? You still broke my nose. I still, you still messed up this pretty face. And, and you've made me miss work. And I've got bills because of you. Oh, but, I, but I, I'm not going to do it anymore. You see kind of what I'm getting at, don't you? We sin against God, then somebody says, oh, forgive yourself. Doesn't work that way. Or we sin against God, then somebody else says, oh, it's okay, I forgive you. Or we sin against God, and God says, hey, you're going to give an account for your sin. Oh, no, Lord, I've done so much better. I don't plan on lying anymore. I don't plan on cheating anymore. I don't plan on committing adultery in my heart or otherwise anymore. I don't, I, I don't intend on being prideful anymore, which if you know anything, you know that's a joke. But we can deceive ourselves and start living good enough to where we think that we're okay, but there's a problem. This cross is on us. See, uh, this cross is on us. And so, sin, all right? So what is the answer? The cause of the cross, he came, yes, because of love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But understand that the cause was our sin. But let me just show you something quickly. The substitution. The substitution. Verse 18 again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, notice this, the just for the unjust. So as I've already said, our problem is, and if you want to say this, perhaps you could even say God's problem, if God could have a problem, is that He loves us, but our sin isolates and separates us from Him. And our problem is, our sin separates us from God, and even if I swear I'm not going to ever sin again, I've already sinned. And I've got to answer for that. And no third party can make it better or make it right. This is between me and God. So what is, the, what is the solution? The solution is what I've said. I've kind of alluded to it already. Jesus went to the cross and took. See, sin. God's a holy God. That's something you really, really need to understand. Holy. God absolutely hates sin. Well, that's mean. Can God hate something? Yeah, God hates something that's going to destroy you. That's destroying His creation. Yes, He does. He loves you. But here's the problem. If you refuse to repent of your sin, you're, you are identified with your sin and will be judged with it. All right? But here's the thing. Jesus took your place. Have you sinned? Is anybody here that sinned today? Anybody? I mean, we, we all sin. All of sin and come short of the, You say, well, I th- I'm pretty sure there's some other people that sin worse than me. Don't matter. Every sin you've ever committed and I've ever committed, all, every last one. God, there's not one sin that will left. Uh, you mark this down. Not one. Not even your little sins. Whatever those are. Sin is an affront against God Almighty. Not one of those will be left unaccounted for. Not one. Not one sin will be left unaccounted for. Not one. And so, there's judgment for sin. 
because that's God's holiness. And by the way, that's legal terminology that I just read. The just for the unjust. The one who stands justified, the one who has never sinned, Jesus Christ, for the ones who have sinned, the unjust. Folks, that's all of us. Every last one of us. Substitution. From the very beginning, the cross was pictured in the Word of God. All the way going back to the Garden of Eden. You remember Jesus is the Lamb of God. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter, in this very book right here, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, the Bible says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish and without spot. So what he's trying to say right there is he's trying to remind us of something. Man sinned in the garden, they, they, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. The work of their own hands. God said, that's not going to work. There's going to have to be a sacrifice. You're going to have to be covered with animal skins, perhaps a lamb. You've got to be covered. In other words, there's, 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 somebody's got to answer for this sin. So there's a substitute. On Mount Moriah, uh, I mean, Abraham was about to, to plunge a knife into his son, and the angel of the Lord grabbed his hand, and God spoke to him and said, Abraham, don't do this thing, that, but God will provide himself a lamb. And I understand that he provided a ram for uh, Abraham that day. But there, the greater message is God will become a lamb. God will provide himself as a lamb for a sacrifice. Folks, he was the lamb during the Passover. A lamb was slain and the blood was put on the outside of the house. And the angel of the Lord was coming through to judge. But when the angel of the Lord would come through... Or the angel of death, and there's a whole thing there. But when, when, the, when the death angel would pass, he would look on the outside, and he was looking for one thing. He was looking for the blood. And if the blood was on the doorpost and on the, on the doorpost on the lintel, he would pass over that house. And that's where the term Passover. The blood was applied. They were counting on substitution. See, we, we, we use a statement oftentimes that I think that we miss. We miss this. We say Jesus died for us. But sometimes we forget about part of the meaning for the, of the word for. He died for us. You know what that means? He died in our place. He died instead of us. Not long ago we preached about Barabbas. We preached about the man who was guilty. We preached about a man who was a criminal. He had sinned. We preached about a man that when the three crosses were made, the one in the middle was for Barabbas. It was made for him. He was in jail. He was about to be let out of prison and put on that cross for his crimes. But can you imagine early that morning when a Roman soldier comes down and opens up his jail cell and says, Barabbas, you can go free because somebody else is going to be on that cross instead of you. You're going to go free. He's going to, pay the, he's going to hang there like a criminal. See, substitution. And that's what Jesus did. The just for the unjust. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us. He made Jesus to become sin for us. Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, Jesus at the cross. The cause of the cross was sin. Your sin and mine. His love drove him there, but the reason he had to go to the cross, and will you do yourself a favor? I try to do this every once in a while. 
You ever think about your sins as not being a very big deal? After all, look at some of the sins of other people, right? But you know what I try to think to myself? I try to remind myself of something. The cross. Was that sin a big deal? Is this little sin a big deal? It's not hurting anybody. You better go look at that cross. Your deceit, your lies, your evil, it's hurting Jesus. He had to pay for every bit of that. He literally was suffering for that sin that we take so lightly. And so you can see I'm kind of crossing over here. I'm talking about the sin that we don't have forgiven before we're saved. But even as God's people, we've got to understand that Jesus paid for our sin. Sin is not a light matter. Hallelujah, he paid for it, amen. And, and, and that's, that's the next point. Not only that he suffered, not only sin, but notice this also. I'm, I'm going back here, but in verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. I've got issues with anybody who teaches otherwise. I've got issues with anybody who teaches that it's possible for you to lose your salvation. Uh, I've got major issues. Why? Because the God has major issues with that. The Bible has major issues with that. The Bible says let him be called a curse, accursed if you teach that. In Gal- Galatians, and just in case you didn't get it the first time, he says, he repeats himself, and I said, I said, if anybody preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. It's no joke. Jesus died once, and it was enough. Amen. And so it's settled. Now, it's, it, listen to this. Back, on, back in this time, under Roman law, when a man was brought before a judge for a crime, if, a man found, if, if the judge found that man guilty, the judge would prescribe the sentence and he would write out a piece of paper called a certificate of death. You listening? A certificate of death. And on one side of that piece of paper... On one side of that piece of paper, he would write all the crimes that this man was guilty of. Then on the other side of the piece of paper, he would write the sentence that this man was having to serve. And if this man were to go to prison, he would then go and this this would be literally nailed to the door of the prison he was in. And so anybody walking by could see this is what the man did, this is what he's going to have to pay the penalty for. And when finally, say this man finally paid his debt to the Roman government, that that same judge would come back a second time. He would write on this word, this word on this certificate, the certificate of death. And it was an old Greek word, and it's just the word tetelestai. Tetelestai. He would write on that uh, that piece of paper, that, that, that debt of sin that that man owed, to Telestai. And if that word sounds familiar to you, that's the same word. Oh, that's the same word that Jesus, when he was hanging on that cross, when he cried out to Telestai, when he said, it is finished, folks, he was literally saying the Greek word to Telestai. And in essence, what he was doing is he was, he, he's got your bill today. All the sins you've ever committed. All the sins you ever will commit. And on, all, and on this side, the judgment for that. The payment for that. Which ultimately winds up into the lake of fire. But you know what Jesus did? He wrote on that bill to tell us that. And what they would do for that man who finally paid his debt to society, he would get, they would take the paper off of that door and they would give it to him. 
and he could take it with him wherever he goes. And somebody comes and says, wait, I remember you, Dan. I remember you, buddy, back when you were a teenager. I remember you in those days. And Dan could say, oh, no, I got something to show you. Amen? He said it's finished. Jesus said, paid in full. Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus accomplished the work. Folks, it is settled. He died once for us. And then, then lastly, it's sufficient. And I'll give you this and I'll give you a closing thought. Barb, you could come on up if you'd like. Notice how the verse concludes here. The Bible says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, that just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, there's the cross, but quickened by the Spirit, there's three days later, the resurrection. It's sufficient. That phrase there, bring us to God, is pretty cool. It's a technical term that literally meant to gain an audience in court. In other words, it, it, it's a technical term, bring us to God. It's being escorted. It, it's, it's like the, the, the story that I heard about, a, about a, a, a Civil War soldier that was denied entrance to come in and speak to, to Abraham Lincoln, and he, wa, he was turned back, and he was turned back until finally uh, the, the son of the president saw this dejected Civil War soldier outside of the White House and inquired what was the problem. And he says, I wanted to speak with the president. I fought in the war. I've been wounded in the war. I've lost a lot in the war. And I just wanted an audience with the president. And his son grabs his hands and he says, come with me. And with that boy holding his hands, he brings him into the, uh, he brings him past the guards. He brings him up through the front door. He brings him up the stairs and down the hallway right into the very pre presence of the President of the United States. Of course, that boy was the son of the President. And so what did he do? He brought him. He brought him to Abraham Lincoln. I want to tell you something today. Jesus is the one that will bring you to God. If you'll just take his hand today, amen? Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. But I've got to ask you today, before we do, I've got to ask you, do you know the Lord today? Have you confessed your sins, owned up to your sins before God? See, if we're not careful, we can fall into this thing. And Barbie, you can begin to play lightly. If we're not careful, we fall into this whole deal of, well, you know what? I, I've, I've made some mistakes. I've got some shortcomings like we all do. I've messed up along the way. Folks, that's not getting you anywhere. Again, going back to that getting punched in the nose thing. You punched me in the nose. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was that bad. No, listen. All right, would you be willing to say before God today, could you admit this? It, it may be hard for because maybe you've been raised religious. I wasn't even raised that religious. I wasn't raised in church at all. But I had a really tough time with this next thing I'm about to tell you. I had a really tough time saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I have sinned. I had a tough time admitting that. Because that sounds kind of bad. It's like, I'm not that bad. Are you willing to admit today that you are that bad? If you don't know Christ today, would you please admit that to Him today? And would you please, understanding that and understanding that He went to the cross for you, would you be willing to say, Dear Lord, I do confess my sin to you today. Cleanse me from my sin. 
the separation, the death that sin causes. Man, God wants to put you in a relationship with him. He's so wonderful. Really, he's, he's offering you today that paid in full note. He's offering you his hand to lead you to the very presence of God. That's what the cross was all about. But your sin's got to be dealt with. Would you be willing to turn from your sin today and turn to Christ? If you would, you could pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord, I admit to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I want you to cleanse me from my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I accept the work that you did on the cross and rising again the third day. I believe you, Lord. And I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Come into my life today, Jesus. Did you know with a simple prayer like that, that's how simple it is? See, Jesus did all the hard work. All you got to do is by grace through faith, believe on Him. Child of God, how about you? Are you taking sin lightly? Hey, are you being a carrier of the good news? This altar is open today if you need to pray. Well, I thank you so much for being here this morning. Be, be sure to make our guests feel special today and, and welcome. And uh, I hope you all all have a great, great day. Amen.